You're listening to Test, Learn, Grow, where we believe that all marketing should create value, build trust, and inspire change. This is the Level Agency way. Hey, Miles here from Level, and I am proud to be your podcast host. In every episode of Test, Learn, Grow, I'll be joined by agency team members and other members of the marketing community for radically candid conversations on all things marketing. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Test, Learn, Grow. Our guest today is Kiefer Kopko, who is one of our team leads for our education teams. And you might remember Kiefer's name associated with a different title. He's been on here quite a few times, bearing the title of media director when we had one education team. But since we've grown to the point where we need two education teams and Kiefer was promoted to team lead. So first, Kiefer, publicly, congratulations, my friend. It's been really exciting to see your growth. And I'm excited to talk to you now in your new role. Appreciate it. Yeah, very exciting to step into this new role and, and start a whole new team. It's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So our topic is new social today. And some people might be clicking on this going, new social? What are you, what are you, what are you guys living under a rock? Social's been around for a while. There's nothing new about it. So I wanted to start there, Keeper. When we say new social, what is that referring to, really? Yeah, so when we say new social, it's kind of a colloquial term where we're referring to platforms that have developed and expanded their entire ad platform, their entire buying patterns within the last couple of years. So when we talk about old social, generally speaking, we're talking about the meta products, Facebook, Instagram is the big one. Also LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, the ones that have had self-service advertising for a while now. When we're talking about new platforms, we're more focused on things like Snapchat and TikTok, things that have been emerging platforms over the last couple of years and have really pushed the development of their ad platform and also their self-service platform. Got it. So those are probably the big two then for this conversation, Snapchat and TikTok. Those are the ones everyone's asking about. So yeah, okay. So we'll focus it there. And so when we think about new social as as Snap and TikTok, what's important about that in the world of advertising? I'll ask you that from both the agency perspective, like why do we care about it or what intrigues us about it from our seats? And then if I put my client hat on, you know, why is it important to me as a client looking on where to spend my media dollars? Absolutely. So we'll start with talking a little bit about what we see of it as an agency priority. For us, it's really a matter of making sure that we're staying on the cutting edge of where our audience is and also ensuring that we understand these platforms and how they're being used and how they fit into the mix. Because, you know, the book isn't written yet. And we we are big advocates of, you know, not having a playbook, but having a system and an infrastructure and where you're constantly test learning and growing. So in the interest of test learn and grow, we want to test these new platforms. We want to under, we want to learn where are they most effective in the consumer journey. I work in education, so that's a, a pretty long, you know, somewhat elaborate consumer journey from inquiry to enrollment. And then also make sure that if they are successful, we're growing our investment and we're growing our clients' understanding of them as well. So then taking it from the other side, what does the client get out of it? Well, over the last couple of years, I would say, especially since iOS 14.5, when we started to run into some cookie deprecation, but generally, you know, universities that have relied on meta products as big inquiry or lead generators, they are seeing some diminishing results. We've seen it for some of our clients. You know, we've been working through them and trying to, to push the envelope there and, and keep those, those costs per lead and cost per inquiries down. But the reality is the platforms are losing some of that younger audience. People are moving off of them. They're moving to these emerging platforms. So especially if you're talking about, you know, 
targeting the people fresh out of high school, you need to be on these platforms. That's where they're spending their time. That's when they're communicating with their friends. So just a high visibility on a, a lower age range than we might be getting in, in meta products or LinkedIn or anything like that. Yeah, I really think, I mean, you said it when you said about the framework and the books being written. I mean, this is such a great case for the name of this podcast and test, learn, grow, right? Where if, if as an agency or as a client, we or you listening, you're burying your head in your sand saying it's Facebook is where I've always done social. So that's where I'm always going to do social. It's where I'll always be successful. One day you'll wake up and it's like, what's going on? Why, why am I cost to the roof or I'm not getting anyone? And then you'll be behind. And so it's definitely important while it's new to take advantage of it while it's new, because correct me if I'm wrong, Kiefer, but I know there's a lot of restrictions in Facebook as regulated as they've become. Not all those same restrictions are present in these new platforms. So it is a chance to get even more targeted in some cases and reach that ideal audience because they haven't caught up to those, those restrictions, I'll just call them, right? Mm -hmm. That the other platforms have, and it, it can be useful to brands. I will say kind of going along with that, when we're talking about restrictions in particular, one of the real strong pieces of TikTok that we've found is that, especially for a traditional education. So if you're talking about a traditional four-year institution where you're trying to get people fresh out of high school, you know, targeting that 18 and under audience is always difficult. You know, there are laws in place, there are protections in place, it's a protected class. So making sure that we have platforms where we can reach those is, is really, really important. And so far in our in our experimentation, TikTok has really shown that it has the engagement of that audience. They can reach them effectively. And even with it, its own restrictions and targeting, we're still seeing a better level of engagement from that audience. And I imagine adding this to what's possible, it gives some flexibility, like you mentioned audience, to who you're talking to on which platforms. Like you just said, you might be hitting the 18 and under audience on TikTok, focusing the content, the messaging, the creative at that audience, at the student in this example. Mm -hmm. And then parents and grandparents are still on Facebook. They're still there, still very active. And you can bring and change the message to them accordingly without alienating the other audience because you know they're, they're not necessarily going to be there. And so we're not saying in this conversation that there is no place for the, the legacy social products, right? There certainly mm -hmm. is. It just gives brands and advertisers way more options for who they're talking to and where. Yeah. I, I think kind of underscoring your point, you know, diversification in your media budget is really important. The biggest balancing act that we have to go through is, okay, historically, Meta has been an inquiry driver. And so it's it represents a large percentage of a lot of people's budgets for that reason, because if nothing else, it generates the volume. So then when we're talking about, you know, differentiating our media mix and adding these new platforms in, we have to understand where, what are we taking away and what are we gaining in return? That's always the question we're asking. You know, if I need to reduce Facebook or better specifically 15% over the next year, where can I put that 15%? And, you know, initially a lot of people are going to think, well, let's go over to the Google products. Let's go invest in discovery. Let's invest in YouTube. But those are platforms you're already invested in and you're, you're missing an audience segment that just might not be as active on those platforms. I mean, YouTube's a pretty solid one overall, but you know, getting people on that Snapchat, on that TikTok, right in their feed, it just, it's a little bit of a different experience for them. Love it. So we know what it is. We know why it's important. I hinted a little bit at, at the, how it's done. So let's, let's follow that thread do's and don'ts of this, right? I, mm -hmm. I'll state an obvious one, should be obvious to everybody listening, right? We're not going to take the horizontally shot 
long form video that used to work on, on meta and throw that on TikTok, right? We can't do that. Yeah. That's what, what that are is, some other like how to's best practices that we should explore here when people are thinking about new social strategy. And I think that's a great point to talk about creative because, you know, creative tends to be the most underserved element of a lot of campaign buys. You know, we, we think a lot about the audience. We think a lot about the projections and the result and the budget. And then it comes down to creative and we're running very similar creative on all of our platforms against all of the audience. We will say firsthand from our experience running on TikTok and Snapchat, like you said, you cannot really recycle that, especially horizontal creative, square creative. It's just not an effective replacement. And it really stands out in the platform and the feed. It looks like an ad. It feels like an ad. To a lesser extent, if you, you know, reframe that as a vertical video, you can get away with it a little bit. But, you know, really what we're seeing is effective is we talk a lot about user generated content in the agency, you know, content that looks and feels like legitimate people posting to provide that authenticity element to provide truth and, you know, give that perspective. So we always recommend to people, Snapchat and TikTok in particular, this should be net new creative. If you can afford it, it should be stuff you aren't running elsewhere and it should be far more unpolished, which is always the difficult part. Everyone's got their brand and their brand pillars and they want to live by them. But to be successful on these platforms, you have to step out of that comfort zone a little bit and be a little more avant-garde, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I mean, even down to just using a phone to create it, right? Mm -hmm. Like not having a big video production. And if it's going to feel like a TikTok user, a Snapchat user, the stuff in their feeds when they're friends, it's it's on an iPhone. Yep. And so go and do that. Walk around the campus or if you're not in EDU your place of business and experiment with creating it there. And there's still ways to do that and have it be professional. Gee, some of the cameras on these phones are better <laughs> than a camera you would buy elsewhere, right? Absolutely. So is that what you're seeing brands do and be successful at? Or are there other ways that they're doing what you just said? Yeah. So anecdotally, what we're seeing is successful is, like I said, if you're willing to put up the, the investment from a time and a manpower standpoint to put together a fresh creative, We've seen that be most successful as a close second. We've seen recutting video, utilizing the text to speech functionality, which is extremely popular in TikTok, utilizing that to recontextualize that video and make it feel a little more UGC based. That tends to be the, the next best option if a new video shoot is out of them. But past that, you know, like I said, you don't want to be recycling your horizontal, your square assets, in fact, and you definitely don't want to be using square or not square, but rather static. Static ads, while they give you options in TikTok and a little bit in Snapchat to like dress them up a little bit, it is a video first platform. And you feel that when you're you're kind of seeing things in the feed. So static, of course, the stand the standstill photo. But what about animated? Like not necessarily a video, but more of like a GIF. Is that still a no-no? All video all and that's it? It all depends on the context. I, I believe, and I could be wrong here, but I believe you do have to upload it as a video file. I don't think it will accept GIF. But it all comes back to the context because we've had really good success with, if you're familiar with like boomerang style videos, which are short gifts that are then reversed and, and you know, kind of put back and forth. We've had success with that style of video, but even that is starting to become a little bit dated. I mean, that was really popular 2018, 2019. Yeah. It was kind of the, the heyday of that. So just experimenting with new things. Like I said, if you can look at it and it feels like an ad to you, it's definitely going to feel like an ad when you sandwich it in between two other people's posts. So. And the biggest thing I tell clients is spend a little bit of time in the platform, understand why we're making these suggestions and think about the creative that you're using and how it would look between two organic videos. And so as they spend time in the platform and they see what other people are doing, they're going to see 
dances and they're going to see comics and pranks and a lot of the content that's popular on TikTok. Yep. Are we saying they should be flossing through campus, Kiefer, and that should be the video? <laughs> do they hop on these trends or do they, they do their own videos? What have you seen be successful? That is a great question. And that brings up the great distinction between what should we be doing organically and what should we be doing from a paid perspective? So the short answer is yes, organically, you should be going around. I don't know if flossing is the, the cutting edge, but any of those trends, any of those activities, that is awesome organic content. You know, having a dedicated, when I was in college, we had a student team that worked on a lot of that kind of stuff. So having that dedicated team on staff to do that kind of stuff is really helpful. But when we're talking about a paid, you know, a paid initiative, we want to frame it a little more. We want UGC, but we want it to be a little more organized. We want the messaging to be proper. So I would never put, I would ne not necessarily put money behind a video that is a dance trend or anything like that. When I'm thinking of UGC, I'm thinking of, there's a lot of to-do quality content out there. So like, how do you do this? How do you do this? You know, we've had some success with that basically videos that are like, how do I apply to this institution? And then, you know, using the text to speech, showing the person in their room, kind of filling out the application and everything. And you might have seen that from some of your competitors, too, if you exist in the education space. And that is kind of the direction that we generally recommend, although there are other opportunities. You know, what to do at a, a open house is another one we, we've talked about and other things like that. Yeah, and I'm just spitballing here. The idea that comes to my head, and you can tell me if you think it would work or not, but I think about Humans of New York, that account that's mm -hmm. massive, right? But you could do students of insert, insert like school. And yep. go around and capture their stories and try to appeal to people that feel like, oh, I'm like that person. If they're happy there, I could be happy there. And then include with the ad ways that they could apply and yep. capture those stories, which people do on social media anyway. And it feels like it belongs there versus it being the, the ad like we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. And we've seen a lot. And I, th I think that's a great idea. And we've seen a lot of success from some of the accounts that we follow and we keep tabs on there's we have a lot of clients with welding programs there is a terrific welding school out there that produces short content where they and i'm, I'm going to make compliance out there a little nervous when i say this but they literally walk up to their graduating students and say what job did you just get what is your salary and that is amazing content you know i see that and i get jealous of that kind of stuff because you know there are the rules you have to follow we have to work with compliance make sure but that's the kind of stuff you know really getting to the asking the students the question, getting their perspective. You see that kind of content all over these platforms. So making sure to replicating it in your organic. And then if you're doing something like that, where you're asking about legitimate outcomes or legitimate facilities and things that you provide your students and contextualizing, you know, what it's like to be a student, that's stuff that works awesome and paid. So then how does new social support and how is it supported by the rest of the media ecosystem, like you said, the diversification, yep. how does this fit into the overall strategy? Is there a way that it ties in with, with Google campaigns or within legacy social campaigns, or do you treat it as a standalone? So I have a technical answer and then I have a little bit of a, a you know, perspective answer from a technical standpoint. One of the really nice things about platforms like Snapchat and TikTok is they do, do allow for view and quick tags, which if you have a large scale attribution model, if you're doing kind of any conversion path reporting, you can tie that into things like your DV360 and your search ads 360 and, and fold those impressions into your overall model. So then you can say, hey, this person saw a Snapchat ad and then they converted in search. This person saw a TikTok ad, then a Snapchat ad and converted in meta, you know, something like that. Yeah. So from a technical standpoint, that's an awesome thing we can do. And if you have that already existing, you can fold it into your structure. Now, from a, from a purely kind of subjective perspective, based on the success we we're having, you know, it really comes down to what does your budget look like? 
because again, these are, these are kind of tertiary platforms. These are things we're growing in. We know where our bread and butter inquiry and app volume is going to come from, generally speaking. So assessing your budget, making sure that you have dedicated dollars for it. One thing we always advise for when we're talking about tests, making sure there's a budget and making sure it's, I don't want to say it's a budget you can afford to lose, but it won't make or break your overall performance. So then identifying what the budget is, and then from there moving into, okay, what are we going to try to accomplish through TikTok and Snapchat? One example I've had is one of the first things we started doing is folding it into our nurturing. So they do offer a student match options, customer match options. TikTok actually just pulled back. They may, they were a little more restrictive. They just pulled back some of that restriction so you can target a lot more people. But being able to target these matched audiences, you know, those are valuable impressions for us because every impression we can get on a nurturing audience, especially if we can serve them a different type of creative that they may not have necessarily have seen before, that's awesome. So that's, that's where we start for one client. I have another client I'm working with right now that, hey, we need brand awareness. You know, we're our average student age is, is really skewing older. We start, we need to engage these young people and get them to apply. And for that, we're going with a really heavy kind of brand awareness model. And we're measuring it through, I don't have my data scientist on the call with me, but our data COE has worked with me to kind of identify what is the overall lift been on that? How does that impacting our organic performance? How is it just impacting our overall inquiry drive performance and things like that? So assessing the budget, assessing what you really want to accomplish. And we'll work with you to determine if you want a full funnel, you know, multi-stage conversion, create inquiry generation machine, we can do that. We want to make sure that you're also prioritizing other tactics with that budget, but we can absolutely, you know, build something more robust. Yeah. I think, I think every point you made there is huge coming down to like the, the heart and soul of it is like, it can be specifically tracked. Mm-hmm which I think is great about just where we're at in marketing today. We're like, it used to be when a new platform was introduced, it was like, well, I'm not quite sure, but I should be doing it. And now you can know specifically how it impacts everything else and be able to report on it to folks who might not understand what all this means, but they will understand the numbers and the the impact it's having, the effect on enrollments, revenue, all of those things. And so that's great. And I think it's really great because when you start to see the moment where this thing you've been testing in, and maybe it was what you were okay losing, like you said, as much as we hate to say it, some folks will think of it that way. All of a sudden you start to see, wait a second, I'm getting more from this over here. You'll already have it in a place and you can start to redirect the dollars. And now it's not what you're okay losing. It's, it's what you absolutely need to have, but mm-hmm. you've got the foundation through the testing to be ready for that moment of growth. Yeah. Test learn and grow, right? Again, look at that. There's a reason why we say it. That's how it works. Something I I was talking to another team lead earlier today, and she was talking about how we are stewards for our clients. And we always make sure that, you know, anytime we're outlining a test, anytime we're we're talking about large scale strategy, we we do a lot of steps to make sure that do we have the room for this this test? Is it going to, you know, increase the bottom line? Is it really going to move the needle? And if it is a true experiment, do we have client alignment? Do we have some, you know, corresponding evidence to support that? So we're never testing blind. We're always making sure we're, we're setting, you know, calling our shot and then comparing against it, basically. Awesome. Well, as always, Kiefer, you've been a phenomenal guest, full of knowledge. So I appreciate you sharing it with me and with the audience. And those of you listening, if we've piqued your interest and you're wondering how you can set up new social for, for yourself, or if you're already running it and you need some help optimizing it, as you've heard Kiefer say, we know what we're doing. And so we'd love to talk to you. So we've got ways to contact us, emails, phone numbers that you can reach out to, call, text, all the things. Reach out to us. We'd love to have a conversation with you. 
And we'll see you here next time for another episode of Test, Learn, Grow. Thanks, Keeper. Thanks, Miles. Thanks for listening to this episode of Test, Learn, Grow from your friends at Level Agency. For more information on what we do here at Level, be sure to visit us online at www.level.agency. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And until next time, remember that the best way to do any sort of marketing is to test, learn, and grow.